there was, at least in my mind at the time and what the evidence was showing was there was a true cost to doing this. Um, and you were foregoing, likely foregoing some uh, more dollars that you could earn on your investments. And then arguably you take that excess money and you go do something with it uh, yourself, you know, something charitable, donate a cause, donate to a cause or charity or make a, make a difference yourself, make your own impact donation, if you will. Welcome to Retire Smarter with Kevin Krosky. Find answers to your toughest questions and get educated about the financial world. It's time to retire smarter. It's another edition of Retire Smarter. Glad to have you with us today. Walter Storholt alongside Kevin Krosky, President and Wealth Advisor at True Wealth Design, serving you in Northeast Ohio and Southwest Florida, along with the greater Pittsburgh area. You can find us online at truewealthdesign.com for past episodes of the show and to schedule a 15-minute call with an experienced advisor on the True Wealth team. Just click on the Are We Right For You button. Kevin, good to have you back with us today. How are you? Walter, I am, I'm great. We are, uh, recording as the Olympics are going on and, uh, it, you know, it's been fun to, uh, watch the Olympics with my almost eight year old. And, you know, it's, it's like you think about the newspaper. Oftentimes the sports page, the sports section is really the only place where you see positive news. And, um, just to kind of relate that to her and just see these people and, and how they show how hard they work and what they achieve and, you know, and some fail to achieve, which is valuable lesson there too. But it's it's been pretty cool to go through this with my daughter recently. Yeah, somehow the the Olympics are becoming even incredibly politicized this year, and it's like let's just I, I love how you said that. Like, there's lessons of goodness to be learned here and of success, but also let's learn through the failures. Like, whatever happened to us where we can't, you know, somebody can't fail, and we all learn from it and and have compassion for that failure, and like you know that it's okay to fail in life sometimes. Um, it's not not to get too deep here at the beginning of the show, but like that's yeah, the Olympics. <laughs> just enjoy it and quit complaining about it, right? <laughs> well, maybe I've been uh, I don't know, just a, a bit out of tune. But uh, yeah, I haven't I haven't noticed that part that much. So I'm thankful okay, for that. Well, that's good. That's good. <laughs> you must be staying off of Twitter and uh, listening to the local sports shows and those kinds of things. So probably a good healthy thing to do. Yeah, it's it's work, it's family, and if there's something on the TV, it's usually for the three to eight year old um, nice population. So that's my world. I, I I do find myself more and more trying to just stay out of the analysis world. Right, like we're in such a world where everybody analyzes everything for us. If you actually consciously try to avoid that kind of stuff and just make up your own mind about things again, if you can get back to that mode of life where you you watch or read or absorb something and then make up your own mind. It's so interesting to then make your mind up and then go see what other people are saying about it and either sometimes how in line you are and sometimes how totally different from everybody else's opinions out there are. And it's, it's an interesting exercise. I encourage somebody to, to try that if you find yourself just always reading what other people. You go to an article and you immediately go to the comments section instead of actually reading the article first for yourself. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's bad strategy to do that. Uh, well, we've got a great show on the way today, and I am interested in this, Kevin, because I've been hearing more and more people starting to talk about it, and I don't know if I really 
understand it? And is it really all that big of a deal? And I know it's just a little bit of a small part of what you're going to cover today, but like I keep seeing this buzzword or acronym of ESG everywhere as it relates to finances and investing. And I've heard of socially responsible investing before. And I know you're going to touch on some of these things, but we're going to try and align our investments with our values. And I would ask the question, Kevin, should we? Is Should we make these things the most important thing in our investing life. And uh, I'm interested in your perspective on this today. Well, that's a bit of a, it's a bit of a carefully uh, crafted question, um, or at least I need to have a carefully crafted response. So <laughs> should you, I'm not going to should all over everybody today, so don't worry about that. <laughs> okay. um, you know, but on one hand, uh, we'll talk about this ESG and, and really the, the values-based uh, investing, if you will. And then I'll talk about, you know, some of the financial aspects of it as well um, as it relates to investments. And then, you know, it, like with anything in somebody that we're talking to from a client perspective, um, our job is to you make it very clear pros and cons. Um, if there is a recommended course of action, then we will recommend it and why. But ultimately, it's our job to make things clear so our clients can make a, a choice that's right for them. And particularly when you get into something, uh, you know, on the value side, I mean, you know, that's a very personal decision. So uh, there's not, I, I would say we are not making a recommended course of action, whether you should or shouldn't. But if it's something that you decide to do, it's more about how are we going to best implement? So maybe that's the way that we'll tackle this today. But Walter, you, you, you mentioned a couple of, you know, ESG, environmental, social and governance. So environmental is, I think you get it, you know, it's uh, fossil fuels, global warming, you know, things along those lines, those sorts of concerns, pollution, social, um, a little bit more is a little bit, I don't want to say a little bit broader. It is, you could really have religious that, views that come under here. Um, we've, we'll talk about a couple of client examples recently where we had uh, clients that um, are practicing Catholics that wanted to have their investments aligned with with their beliefs. And uh, we have a, another client who's Muslim and, and, and wanted the same, but, you know, a little bit different and aligned with her beliefs. Um, social could also be some other things in terms of you know, uh, child labor, um, you know, certain companies maybe have arguably exploited that in the past and in some third world countries, things along those lines. Um, governance um, it could be a few different things uh, as well. Some people will put diversity under here. You know, hey, what does the uh, executive makeup look like? You know, what does the board look like? How many women, how, how many minorities, things along those lines. So um, that's broadly speaking. And, and again, like anything, it could mean different things to different people. But very generally speaking, you know, that's that's how I understand it. Another name for this, uh, at least for the social part, is like socially responsible investing or SRI. It seems like all these acronyms change over time. Another phrase that I've heard is called impact investing. So, you know, they all sound good, but that's just the name. And like we talked about in a couple of podcasts ago, when we we're talking about risk tolerance, you know, using names sometimes can be quite broad. What is environmentally friendly for one person is is maybe not for another. I'll give you a personal example of that, uh, that I just chuckled about thinking of. Um, so my sister is, um, is very environmentally aware. So we, uh, you know, any toys that she gets for our girls have to be wood, no plastic, you know, things like that. And, and, you know, I'm cool with that. You know, I don't, I like beaches. I don't want plastic straws ending up and hurting the turtles or the fish or whatever. I have no problem getting like a, a metal straw or, or whatever it may be and reusing it makes sense. 
you know, we use containers that we fill up at the water cooler and don't, you know, throw away a bunch of plastic bottles. So that's what we do. My wife and I and our family, those are our values. But where we draw the line, we have some friends that are, uh, we refer to them as crunchy, um, if you will, if you know what I'm talking about, Walter. But um, Gr- Granola but they, is our term, yes. Granola, crunchy, <laughs> you got it. And, our, and they have children. Our, our neighbor uh, across the street used to cut the uh, grass without, an ele- you know, without the... Uh, gas-powered lawnmower. So it was the old school. What was real mowers? Is that what they used to call those? Just a you know nice silent cutting of the grass. <laughs> well, the example I was thinking of for us is you know our three-year-old is um, not yet potty trained. She's not yet three either. But so we're still using um, diapers, and uh, we have several crunchy friends, granola friends that the reusable uh, diapers. They use reusable yeah. diapers, and uh, hell no is the phrase that comes to mind <laughs> for us. So. So, yes, we are environmentally friendly, but we have limits to what we consider uh, environmentally friendly against our convenience. And and everybody does. You know, hopefully that was at least a tad bit humorous. But we all have uh, these beliefs. And when you think about I'll talk about this under maybe some challenges. But when you think about our world in general, I mean, it's so interconnected. You know, you could have say, well, I don't want to support you know, pornographers. Um, well, where are you going to draw the line? I mean, they probably use like Apple Macintosh computers to do a lot of their graphics or something like that. So are you going to say, well, I'm not going to buy Apple either because their computers are used in pornography production or something of the sort. But, you know, you get the gist. Um, you know, companies, big companies are, are global. There could be people in their supply chain that are that are abusing some child labor um, practices over in these developing countries. So um, there's some things that are qualitative, some things that are quantitative. You know, maybe we don't get lost too far in the weeds of this stuff. But, you know, if you can get your investing to be a little bit better aligned with your values than what it currently is, and that's important to you, then, you know, at least we're heading in the right direction. We don't have to worry about things being exactly black or white. So, you know, that's that's me saying it. Somebody else, their values may be, <laughs> may be very black and white. Um, so we'll talk through that. But some other examples I, I gave, um, well, weapons, tobacco, gambling, fossil fuels, pornography, again, diversity, like I mentioned. Um, so these are all things that kind of fall under uh, that umbrella of like ESG investing. And the way that it works in practice is that, you know, if you think of the market, think of like um, just the S&P 500. Well, you would look at that market and then start screening some companies out that don't meet the criteria consistent with your values. So uh, weapons, for example. Um, So a popular screening is companies that earn at least 20 percent of their total revenue through the production or sale of conventional or or nuclear weapons, weapon systems, or critical components of these products, um, so on and so forth. So 20% of the annual revenue is pretty objective. Critical components of these products is, I would say, a lot more subjective. So somebody is making these sorts of decisions. Usually it's some sort of screening service that is doing that. Um, Some of the services that are out there, Morningstar has a sustainability rating. They're probably sure everybody's heard of Morningstar. They're kind of the 800 pound gorilla in the um, uh, the mutual fund ETF screening universe. They have a sustainability rating. Uh, sustainability is a little bit more geared towards that environmental or that E in the ESG. We had a client recently, we noticed there was a lot of screening done by um, for uh, people of the Muslim faith uh, by a, 
a company, I, I believe, called Yasser Limited. So that was one that we saw there that's being used in some of these funds that are consistent with uh, Muslim beliefs and halal investing. Um, another one was uh, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, socially responsible investment guidelines. So usually you're having some sort of service that defines these criteria, some objective, some a little bit more subjective. Another subjective example um, under child labor, companies that have had major recent controversies relating to child labor infractions in the US or abroad. So major recent controversies. Subjective there, what's major, what's recent. Um, that's a broad characteristic, but somebody is making these decisions at these different you know, bodies that I just mentioned or others that is basically filtering out these companies. So you know, for the S&P 500, you know, after you go through the screening process, depending on, you know, how rigid it is or what have you, rather than having 500 companies, maybe you end up with 420 companies or something of the sort. So it, on a high level, you know, that's how it works. So Walter, I know you had a question about this ESG, but um, uh, how, how are you, uh, how am I educating you so far? Well, good, because uh, it sounds like this takes on different layers, right? Like, so it's it's an individual company basis, but that sounds like it can also take a lot of work to try and handpick different companies and that sort of thing. So are there, is there an easier way to be ESG or, or socially responsible investing or this impact investing that doesn't require like the individual screening of every single company for an investor? Um, well, if you're using a screening service, um, you, you'll have, uh, well, I'll answer it this way. They're going to give um, you a menu you can choose from a little bit easier than having to do it on your own, basically. So if you're going out and there's kind of the packaged product solution or the off-the-shelf solution, and whether that's in a mutual fund format or exchange-traded fund format, and if you just went out and typed in, say, like you know, ESG mutual funds, I mean, you'll find several of them that are out there. And what they will generally do, I mean, whether you know it's um, – you know, BlackRock or PIMCO or Dimensional Fund Advisors or, or any mutual fund family for that matter, they'll generally employ one of these screening services and overlay that on top of their investment strategy and start screening some of these companies out. Um, so it is is truly kind of a packaged product. So you you try to find something that is in alignment with what you want, um, you know, depending on how much information you can get, maybe you can see what some of the exclusions are, you know, broadly speaking, and then, you know, what companies, if you wanted to dive into it, um, you know, hopefully you could, and it wasn't a black box. Uh, some of them are a little bit of a black box and, you know, what one constitutes social uh, and socially screened, you know, it could vary from something else. And so there's definitely some searching there um, just from a values-based uh, consideration. So those are packaged products. Another option is really to get a custom solution. Uh, and this could be customized. Generally, it's done under what they call a separately managed account or SMA. Or this can also be done um, in a similar fashion. Sometimes we call it direct indexing too. So let's just say we go back to this S&P 500 example and we, you know, we can just go out and buy all those 500 stocks directly. We don't, maybe we don't use the mutual fund, but we know there's certain companies that we want to screen out because of our values, because of our beliefs. And then we could just go ahead and do that directly. So that's maybe direct indexing separately managed accounts often implies that there's another manager that's doing it and that's doing the screening and the management of the account. But the whole point of, you know, the non-packaged product is it is 
purely customizable. I mean, the sky's the limit. So you can utilize one of those screening services. You could go ahead and screen out entire industries. Halal investing, for example, I mean, we had to work through, you know, interest. I mean, banks, you know, derive a lot of their income from interest. And so much of the financial sector, if you're going to adhere to those investing beliefs, then you, you just need to screen out the whole industry. We had a client that, um, you know, she was, she did not want to screen out. She's a physician. She is a physician. Uh, she did not want to screen out um, companies that were doing stem cell research or, you know, or had some hand in contraceptives. So that was a customization that, you know, if she just used maybe the more broadly used here domestically in the U.S., you know, some of the Catholic screening, that wasn't going to work for her beliefs, or at least not as much as she wanted it to work for her beliefs. So the SMAs, and I'll talk about this in, in a future episode too, technology has really brought down the cost for these SMAs. Um, they used to be, you know, really the playground of the of the wealthy. You know, we use one provider that you know, literally had to have, you know, well into the seven figures to utilize their SMA. You know, that's now down to on the order of about 500,000. And the costs aren't all that different for the SMA from the mutual fund just because of the technology that we can avail ourselves of today. So it's, it's become much more scalable and the customization. I mean, it's pretty cool what you can do. And, you know, we have some company insiders at local companies, whether it's Goodyear or BW or some other companies uh, like that. And they have restrictions on when uh, they can buy or sell their company stock. And so we can actually add those restrictions onto these uh, SMAs or this direct indexing uh, so they don't run afoul of those SEC rules that they're under. But packaged products or custom solutions, they both can kind of move you in that right direction. SMAs are a little bit more, uh, there's a little bit more to it. Uh, and that's why we'll talk about it a little bit. Maybe we'll do a next episode since we're talking about it now. But there's definitely some benefits there, some more complexity. But um, for the right investor, they make a lot, a lot of sense and something that we've been doing more of these days. So while those are some of the solutions that you can you can have and avail yourself of, let me pivot to some of the challenges. So um, my belief before, and this was years ago, and I, and full disclosure, you know, we're not. In, I'm kind of one of those what you see is what you get sort of guys. So my my personal belief, we, we're not doing any of these sorts of ESG investing in our um, my wife and I in our own investments. Um, so this is something that we've learned about over the last several years for clients that have inquired about it. Certainly you're seeing and hearing more of it as well, but it's it's not something that I'm currently practicing. You know, we're, we're still buying the, the disposable diaper, so to say. But these options um, have always cost more money. And so when I looked at it, I was like, wow, it costs a lot more. Um, the results really weren't all that favorable as well. So there was, at least in my mind at the time and what the evidence was showing was there's a true cost to doing this. Um, and you were foregoing, likely foregoing some uh, more dollars that you could earn on your investments. And then arguably you take that excess money and you go do something with it uh, yourself, you know, something charitable, donate a cause, donate to a cause or charity or make a make a difference yourself, make your own impact donation, if you will. And, and those costs uh, have definitely come down and there's a lot more options within, you know, this ESG universe uh, that are that, you know, that, that they do pass the, the smell test, so to say. Um, but they're still going to be a little bit more costly. So some of the options that we use, just as an example, uh, if we don't have like a social or environmentally screened option, maybe it's like, you know, 0.04% or 0.06% more in the expense ratio. It's a pretty small number just in dollar terms. You know, if you're talking about 0.06% higher expense ratio 
on five hundred thousand dollars, I mean, you're, you're talking three hundred bucks a year. So a lot of people will just look at that and say, okay, you know, that's fine. Yeah, that's that's worth it to me and, and my values. It gets me closer to what I want to do. So that used to not be the case. The, the cost differential used to be a lot wider. The investment results used to be a lot more varied, and and generally these options underperformed. So you're not really seeing that so much anymore. So it's it's become less of a concern, but there's still somewhat of an additional cost there. So that's always important to know. The other thing that happens is whenever you're doing the screening, you know, depending on how aggressive you are in screening, then you may really limit your diversification opportunities. So uh, just to give you, for example, and I'll just talk broadly about, you know, the funds that, that we've used for clients. If we look at our kind of core U.S. fund to go from our regular fund to the socially screened fund, there's more than 500 companies that are coming out and there's about almost a 20% change in the portfolio composition. So, you know, different companies have different market values. You know, you have a small local company that's publicly traded versus, you know, big global behemoth like, like Microsoft, you know, just, it's not just the number of companies, but it's how many dollars are really changing. So it's the composition and um, it's a 20% change of the portfolio is pretty substantial, but if we were to go and look at you know our core fund over to the sustainability screen fund and and it's it's really uh, even more prevalent outside of the US so I'll go there but if we just look at foreign developed markets 24% of the fund is changing if we go into emerging markets which again they're still developing they're still emerging you know china is a bigger polluter you know things along those lines 54% of the fund weighting changes. So now we're getting into the area where there's some serious changes to the investment profile and the investment strategy that we're doing. Not the strategy, but we're just really forgoing the diversification that we initially started with. So we have to really you know, think through that. And when you're starting to screen out a lot of companies, you very well may have more disparate returns and, and maybe some underperformance. So it, it's just nobody can predict the future. But diversification is one of those things where it's kind of like a free lunch. Um, so, you know, the more you can get, generally, the better it works. Maybe we can bring out the the egg alert here, Walter, but the lower the terminal wealth dispersion that you have, if you want to go back and listen to that episode. But these are some things, these are some of the trade-offs and some of the challenges that you have to work through. So, um, and then just lastly, I already mentioned it, but just to reiterate, you know, some of the measurements are objective well, others are more subjective. So who's making those subjective decisions th for these third-party companies? Are they consistent with what you want to do? And again, it's difficult to, s to decide where to draw the line in our interconnected global economy. So I'm curious, uh, you're obviously meeting with folks every day and your other advisors have, uh, you know, people just coming through the door constantly. How how aware of all of these different types of of investing, whether it's the ESG or the the socially responsible investing or impact investing or you know wanting to stay away from these different categories, whether it be on a religious basis or something else, how often are you having people come in and and request you know for guidance in this way? Is this a a majority or is it still a pretty small minority that wants to invest like this and makes this a top priority or concern? So we currently have. Uh little more uh, probably you can count them on two hands that are doing it and those are people that specifically asked us about it however as in most things you know if somebody has a question um, there's probably a lot of other people that have that question they just haven't asked so you know we've done all the work here on on what we see as good solutions for just from the investment perspective and and we're familiar with some of the screening um, so we're just being more proactive and it's one of the reasons why we're talking about it today, just being more proactive talking about this with our clients 
and letting them know, educating them that, hey, it is an option. Yes, there's a little bit of a higher cost to it, but it's 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 not that much. You know, is this something if this is something that's important to you, then we're certainly happy to talk to you about it. And we've already figured out how to build it into, you know, your investment plan, your financial plan, into our operations, into our trading software, so on and so forth. So it's it, it's really us kind of rather than being reactive, we're just taking, uh, we've done the work for several clients now over the years that have asked the question. So we're going to start writing and talking about it. And I suspect there's many, many more clients in our, you know, 300 plus client base that that would like to do some form of this. Um, so we'll see what happens. Um, but the SMA solutions too, I mean, they're often used for these ESG purposes. There's some other benefits that we'll talk about in another episode. But for clients that have what we call like legacy holdings, um, maybe they have some stock that they inherited or bought, you know, many decades ago and is really, really um, would be really expensive tax wise to sell. So we can actually incorporate better incorporate some of these legacy holdings into um, like a separately managed account and build around those and, and really get the investment profile that we want. So there's there's a few different reasons that we're doing this and talking about it now, but we're going to continue to talk about it proactively. I would suspect we're going to have you know several handfuls more of people that want to do this. Very interesting to hear some of these stories, and uh, I think it's just really helpful to understand that more and more people are becoming interested in it and great for you for staying proactive and ahead of it. Uh, If folks have questions about this, I encourage you to reach out to Kevin to talk a little bit more about it. 855-TWD-PLAN is the number. That's 855-TWD-PLAN or go online to truewealthdesign.com and you can click on the Are We Right For You button and schedule a 15-minute call with an experienced advisor on the True Wealth team. Again, that's truewealthdesign.com and we'll link to that in the description of today's show so it's easy for you to find. Kevin, very good. Thank you for educating me on this topic. I know a lot of our listeners will appreciate it as well and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again on the next episode. Thanks, Walter. Appreciate it. All right, have a good one. That's Kevin Krosky. I'm Walter Storholt and we'll talk to you next time right back here on Retire Smarter. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed. All performance reference is historical and not an indication of future results. Benchmark indices are hypothetical and do not include any investment fees.